I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back into the Short Poor Saloon podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. Philip is not joining me tonight, but I'm joined by a very special guest, Kent Swanson over at Arrowhead Pride. He's our lead film and draft analyst, host of the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory podcast. If you are a Chiefs fan, want to learn more about the X's and O's of the game, this is the dude that hosts that. Find that on any podcast channel that you can. And SB Nation affiliated as well, so I wanted to get him on. Kent, what's up, man? Man, I'm so honored to be talking to y'all. Uh... Man, it's it's gonna be fun. I I've got some uh, some ties to to the Stillwater area, so you know I, I know a little bit about Oklahoma State. So yeah, we were talking off air. I didn't. Yeah, you said you had family in town. That's so cool. Like well, I didn't even think about that. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah, I got fam. I got fam working at the at this at the school too. Like oh, I, I yeah, we, yeah, I know. So I've I've been around. You know, here's the thing. I know I know Oklahoma Joe's is kind of the tourist attraction. Eskimo Joe's. Or Eskimo Joe's. Did I say Oklahoma Joe's? Yes, you're thinking of the of course I did. place in Kansas yeah, City. Yeah, it's, but... it's exactly. No, I know Eskimo Joe's. I know I have the shirt. Uh, Eskimo Joe's is a tourist attraction, but they have the best cheese fries I've ever had in my life. The, the sweet pepper bacon cheese fries are the move. Like, Wait, what? Yes. So, because you have the cheese fries, you can get bacon cheese fries, but they have sweet pepper oh. bacon. Dude, oh, that's... I've never had that. Yeah, that's the move. Absolutely the move. Oh, I, yeah, I'm on my way. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, if you come down for a game, we'll, we'll go and get a, a Stilly Wheat and, a, and some cheese fries and call it good. Dude, I, I'm so in. All right. So the reason I brought Kent on tonight is not only said he follows the draft and does a ton of film work, but the guys over at the AP Lab, the AP Nerd Squad, if you will, um, they do a draft guide every year for the NFL Draft, the Casey Draft Guide. Is this the third year of it? Yeah, it's the third is the third year we've done it. And okay. third year we're just all regretting it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's so it's I, a beast. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I bought it last year, bought the 2020 guide. It's like 300 or 400 write-ups, and they get, you know, you get really nice in-depth breakdown, grades, scheme fits, all of that stuff. It's very it's very chief centric, obviously, but really good just football breakdown. If you want to get smarter about the guys that are coming into the NFL draft, this is the the thing again. It's only eight dollars. And so it's, it's absolutely worth that money for sure. But there are four guys that like, that are getting uh, breakdowns in the Casey draft guide from Oklahoma state, Tevin Jenkins, Talon Wallace, Radarius Williams, and Shuba Hubbard. And we're going to talk about those guys uh, tonight. And Ken's going to help kind of break things down for us. So I want to start with Tevin Jenkins is because he, I think he's the guy that's going to go the earliest for Oklahoma state offensive lineman. And he's going to be the first, excuse me, Oklahoma State offensive lineman to get drafted since Russell Okung in 2009. Wait, is that real? Yes, that's real. 12 seasons? It's been that long. Wow. 
And I think Lane Taylor from the Packers, uh, I think he was a UDFA, but he's mm-hmm. made his way. But other than that, man, like, yeah, Oklahoma State's had a rough time at offensive line really since 2011 to 2013 when Joe Wickline was there. Charlie Dickey's really brought it back uh, for Oklahoma State. Tevin Jenkins has been a dude for the last two or three years that has been awesome to watch. He's moved around a lot, uh, but it's very obvious that he's getting first-round buzz for a reason. He's a, he's a mauler. He's awesome to watch, and I know that you guys at – the at Arrowhead pride love him and think he could be a first round pick for sure. Oh, I, I don't think there's any doubt. He's going to wind up being a first round pick. And on, honestly, I really want I, we all here at Arrowhead pride. We want to see the chiefs draft Tevin Jenkins at 31. And I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think he's going to be there. I really genuinely believe that his stock is going to continue to rise as people, you know, really dive into his film. I mean, and when I mean that, I mean by the media. I mean, I think the teams are well aware of what this guy is capable of. Um, I believe he was supposed to go to the senior bowl and yeah. then backed out. Well, it was I, the, he had a hip injury against OU that pretty much ended his year. Right. I know, I know he had the senior bowl invite, but he, I, but obvious, for obvious reasons, he wasn't going to do anything. I think, I think there was like a little bit of strategy there too. If that tells you anything about his stock, because I don't know how thrilled the senior bowl was that he wound up not coming. And the reasoning behind not coming might've been the hip publicly. I don't, I think, I honestly think he might just believe that his stock is going to be, you know, higher than people think. I really do believe that. Um, because the tape says a lot about him. I mean, this, this, he's one of my favorite players in this class. Um, I would be doing headstands, uh, or you know, I'd be, I'd be going crazy if the, if the chiefs were to draft this kid and, and everybody here that, you know, is working on our guide here really thinks extremely high of a guy that I think could, you could, he's just going to be your best five. He's going to line up anywhere on the offensive line and, uh, he's going to play well. I even think he could try. I think you could try him at left tackle too. Frankly, I think he could play any five. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see what teams do with him. I th- he's athletic enough to play inside if you really need him to, uh, but he's, he's shown a propensity to just destroy people on the edges. at left it's, the, it's, the, it's genuine. There is not very many offensive linemen that you're going to watch, and it's going to be enjoyable tape. He is some of my favorite tape this year. What he, he, did, to, what he did to Joseph Osai <laughs> is – it was just – it was a delight. You don't, you don't get giddy about – offensive lineman tape very often but watching him bully joseph osai was just it was incredible it's he some of the most fame he threw him to the texas bench like he was a rag doll he like, like sat he him down on the bench he's just like just just have a seat yeah so there over a tape doesn't lie adam lunt one of the guys that hosts that oklahoma state x's and o's pod i was telling you about he grades every offensive lineman for missed assignments, missed blocks, and pancakes every game. And you could pencil in Jenkins for at least two pancakes a game. And I think after that, I think he had four. And I think three of them were his eye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's one of the most physically imposing guys. And he's there's a mentality to it. There's a nasty finisher mentality to that. And, you know, some guys just flat out don't have it. I've watched a lot of offensive linemen in the last two weeks. And there's no one that's finishing the way that this guy is. And I just genuinely like one of the most, you know, physically imposing offensive linemen in this entire class. He's actually kind of local to the, to the Kansas city area. He's from Topeka. So it would be kind of a close to a homecoming if he does wind up signing or getting drafted here in Kansas city. 
for sure. So you said he can play anywhere on the offensive line, and I agree with you there. But where do you think he fits best? Is it on? Is it at a tackle spot? Is it moving, kicking inside to an interior spot? Well, what do you think? I think you let him play and fail at tackle. And if it, it, what I mean by that is not literally fail. If he's going to fail, just let him fail there and then move him inside. There is, you know, there's a lot more ways that you know he can contribute as a quality, you know, player along the interior, but the value of a tackle is just that much more significant. So what I would do is I would give him that shot at tackle uh, because I think he's capable of doing it. And frankly, I think he's going to stick. I really do think he will ultimately stick at tackle. But if you don't, and if, if he can't stick at tackle, you are getting a 10-year starter at guard, whoever takes him. That's why I really like the seal or the floor of this kid too as much. Like He's got a higher floor than people want to admit, uh, but that doesn't mean he doesn't have a little bit of ceiling as well. Yeah. And from a Chiefs fan perspective too, because I am one and obsessed one at that, <laughs> uh, to think about being able to book in Tevin Jenkins and Lucas Niang, possibly on the offensive line for Kansas city, protecting the best quarterback in the world for the next 10 plus years makes me feel good inside. Look at all those big 12 guys just running through the league. How about that? Man, if only people actually thought, but the big 12 doesn't play defense though. So obviously like what Patrick Mahomes did wasn't going to translate. Right. Right, 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 right. There's a, I mean, you guys got a defensive player there too, though. I'm just saying, you yeah. know, the Big 12, the Big 12's not void of talent on that side of the football. I'm just no, saying. No, it's, it's so funny because for years and years, it was the Big 12 doesn't play defense. And then the Big 12 started playing defense in the last two years and it was, oh, the offenses are bad. And then the SEC started putting up 50 a game and it's, well, the offenses are so great. You know, it's just one of, it's a no win scenario in this part of the country. Pretty much. That's just, that's run of the mill. All right, let's move. Let's stay. Let's move over. To the, stay on the offensive side of the ball. Let's move to the outside. Talk about Tylen Wallace, one of the best receivers in the country over the last three years. Got robbed of a Blitnikoff. I'll die on that hill. Uh, <laughs> was on his way to one as a junior before he tore his ACL. Comes back as a senior and puts has really great numbers. Uh, battled a couple of injuries, but was incredibly productive as wide receiver one and pretty much Spencer Sanders' main and only option at times but he can win so many different ways. He's undersized, if you want to call it that, at about six foot, maybe six one, depending on the person you, that measures him. But he's so aggressive at the catch point. He's going to win one-on-one. He can play aggressive on the outside if corners want to press him. And I think he's got a decent enough route tree, even if they don't really utilize it a lot at Oklahoma State. I think he, he's fluid enough to be able to run a full route tree. And I think that was on display at the Senior Bowl. You got to see him in person there. And everything I heard was rave reviews. Yeah, you know, he does play bigger uh, than, his, than his measurables, too. Like, there's no denying that. He's incredible at the catch point. He's one of the most fun guys at the catch point to watch in this entire class. And, you know, really incredible ball, you know, body control and ability to track and locate the football, make body adjustments to make these plays on the ball. And, man, you're right. He really – I think, you know, I, he kind of got slept on a little bit, I thought, personally, uh, at the Senior Bowl. I thought he had an outstanding performance. Um, it was kind of fun to watch him because, uh, you know, you, you might see some, you know, some footage here and there on TV. You don't get to see him john with some of these cornerbacks in between plays or like he was he was ready to go i can't remember who it was against um over there uh, at the senior bowl i was down there in mobile and he was he was ready to scrap a little bit with somebody uh and it's just it was really enjoyable to watch him i you're right i think you, he kind of showed some diversity in his route tree you know obviously at oklahoma state i don't really think that you got to put that on display you know, there's some limitations to how many routes that they're really operating. And they, yeah. really, I mean, they like to operate off that vertical plane a lot. So, 
But I think he really did do a good job of showing some diversity and some routes that maybe he wasn't asked to. And most of these guys aren't asked to run a full route tree in, in college anyway, but he showed capability of doing it. Um, I think he's one of like, he genuinely is one of my favorite receivers in this class. You know, uh, if the chiefs aren't going to address receiver in the first round for me personally, this is a guy I'm looking at, you know, I think, I, I don't know why he's going to be available or why some people think he's going to be available into the third round, but like I would be doing backflips if I saw him in the third round. I think it's crazy. That, like I, I'd, I'd look at him in the second. Maybe it's just a representation of how deep of a wide receiver this class, but he's a, he's a great player. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I think an underrated quality uh, just from watching as much Oklahoma State football as I have over many, many years. And I, don't, I have no data to quantify this at all. But Oklahoma State is some of those blocking receivers that you'll find. And that <laughs> guy will go and maul somebody on the outside. And like there, I remember there was – I still remember his Iowa State game this past year where he flinched a little bit at the line, false start, and the corner gets up in his face and is, you know, jawing at him and stuff. So the next play, the play was to the other side, and Tylen just went up and just wrecked him. Just, just crushed him. If I can find the, the gif, I'll send it to you because it was hilarious. But he, he plays with football character. And yes. I think that's something that you watch the way he plays the game. And you can tell he loves it. He wants to do everything he can to help his team win. He, I mean, it's just outstanding effort. You talk about that kind of stuff, willingness to block and physicality and, and taking pride in the little things. Those, those matter. I think that's going to matter. And I think that's going to carry him and propel him to success at the next level. Yeah, I think there, I think a lot of that also comes from he watched his twin brother. His his career was over by before he even really played a snap at Oklahoma State with multiple ACL injuries, and Tylen had one himself. So I think he realizes like he plays the game like every snap is going to be his last, and I think that's going to carry him quite a bit in the NFL, even if the on-field production may not be there early on. Like the kid's going to be an NFL player for a very long time because of the way he he carries himself and the way he plays the game, and then the on-field production will speak for itself. Oh, no doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, let's move over to the defensive side real quick, and we're going to go to Rodarius Williams, who really saw his first CB1 snaps this year. He was opposite A.J. Green for the first part of his career, who was a decent CB1 for OSU. And a big question was, okay, would he be able to handle that, taking on that number one receiver every single game playing on the, on the field side? And he was able to do that. The, the stats may not show a lot of it, but – Philip and Philip talked about this on a couple episodes ago that he was so good because teams wouldn't throw that his way. They, they wouldn't even attempt to throw the ball his way. And when they did, he, he was one of the best corners in the country, at least, you know, PFF says that. And a few other sites, you know, he, he was very good. And I think he's the guy that made himself some money this year. Maybe not day two money, but day, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to end up on an NFL roster. What concerns me a little bit though, is that he was at the senior bowl and I didn't hear anything about his, about what he did, which at a showcase like that, to not hear anything of, man, Rodarius Williams played well against this person one-on-ones or whatever, to not hear anything like that's concerning. I don't know, I don't know if you, how much you saw of him, but what do you think about Rodarius? Well, yeah, I mean, 
I don't think he had a bad week. I don't think he had a good week either. Um, it was just kind of a mixed bag. And I think that was, that was the case for a lot of different guys this, in this cycle too. And, um, but I, I think, you know, and I don't know if this was always necessarily like I, you, you would have liked to see him have a little bit more success in some of the one, one-on-ones because I do think he has a lot of promise as a press corner. You know, yeah. you, you like to see him be a little, you know, better at the, at the line of scrimmage. But um, I think, you know, he, he lost off the line of scrimmage and I don't know if his recovery skills are as good as some people hope. You know, I know some people like, like that about him. I'm not sure I'm all the way there with him. I do like him though. I really like, you know, I, 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 I'm, I'm a Rodarius Williams fan. I, I think he's probably a day three guy, but you look at, you know, his measurables, he's got really desirable length. Um, I think he actually still is, you know, he didn't do great in the senior bowl, but I've seen some tape of him playing really well at the line of scrimmage, does a good job staying in phase and, and, and challenging the football at the catch point. A lot of times there's good things about this guy's tape. He just didn't really display. I don't think he, I don't think he stood out by any stretch of the word at the senior bowl, but I, you know, like, I don't know if it, I don't know if it hurt him all that much either necessarily, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, I, I um, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing about the senior bowl too. It's, you know, there's, there's guys that will capture the the conversation and, you know, sometimes it feels like it's really hard to, to really have more than one guy capture the, the conversation in one position group. So like the wide receivers and corners are going up and everyone's talking about Kadarius Tony or like everyone was talking about Quinn Miners, the offensive lineman out of Wisconsin whitewater down there, but there was really good players like David Moore from Grambling out there. Like, Sometimes these guys just get under the radar that the, the teams that are taking a look at all this stuff, they're going to have a good, I, I think they're not going to come away just completely, you know, disappointed in what Rodarius did last uh, at the senior bowl, frankly. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I think one quality that I'm sure that NFL scouts and GMs and stuff are going to like about him is that he was asked in a conference with skill players everywhere to play man coverage on the outside for pretty much the entirety of the game. What Jim Knowles likes to do is he wants corners to be able to play one-on-one on an island so that he can send blitz after blitz after blitz and let his DBs just trust that they're going to be able to do that. He produced and did that. Teams wouldn't throw to his side of the field for the vast majority of games. And when they would, it was a catch underneath and he was going to make an open field tackle. So his ability to play man coverage in a league where for a lot, a lot of time it was often soft, don't often soft, don't let the big play get you. And he didn't let the get big play get by playing man coverage against some really good wide receivers in the big 12. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's not, it's not easy in this league. I mean, everyone, you know, it's not easy to play quarterback in the big 12. No. One of my favorite things about him, I believe he's greedy Williams older brother. Yes, he is. So like, I mean, I think I, I think he's like close. I think he might turn 25 in his rookie year. He, there's a pretty good chance of that, I think. Yeah. That's one thing. Like if you're looking at, at something that could harm his, his stock, that is his something age. Yeah. age, believe it or not in, in a day three situation like that, they might be swinging for a more projectable guy. And, and Rodarius probably about is what he is at this age. I mean, if yeah, he's going to turn 24 in his rookie year or 25 in his rookie year, I think, but yeah. There's some ability there. I'm not trying to knock him entirely. There's definitely some talent. No, not at all. I think you know, you're going to get a guy that is at least, if, if nothing else, he's a decent rotational player, probably a good special teamer, and find a way to – I think he'll find a role in an NFL roster. I don't think he's going to have some crazy long career unless he pops in a way that I don't foresee. But I think he's a guy that's going to, that's going to play for a bit and have, a, I think, a solid tenure in the NFL for at least a little while. 
Oh, for sure. I, you know, I think this guy sticks in the league for a little bit. I do think his best, I, I know you talked about him playing off and soft, but like there's, there's some tape of him out there playing in, in a press alignment and playing at the line of scrimmage and doing some pretty good things. He's got some, he's got some length to him. Yeah. And that, that was more it's, of like a, just a generalized big 12. No, I get, no, I, was, I'm with you. I understand. Cover three yeah. shell and I, he, and he was pretty much asked to do that with uh, when Glenn Spencer was there, it was, we're not going to let the big play get us. We're going to play in between, you know, let them get in between the twenties and on third and five, we're going to play 10 yards off for some reason, but he really has thrived in the last couple of years playing under Jim Knowles in a more aggressive scheme that allowed him to show more of his man trait, man, man coverage traits and let him, you know, jam the receiver at the line and go and it worked. And so it, it's really impressive what he was able to do this year. I think, I think he's on the chiefs board. Uh, no doubt about it. So I think he'd be a guy that you would you could see the Chiefs maybe if they're wanting to take a, a, a late round corner. He's a guy that they could keep an eye on for sure. And we know how much the the Chiefs love taking late round corners. That's all they take. They don't know what a corner is before round four. But so. hey, hey, they got Legarius Sneed out of it, so you know it worked out fine. this year, right? That's yeah, I mean, fine. It, yeah, it worked out fine. this year. <laughs> Big Legarius Sneed guy. Uh, last guy I want to talk about here, uh, Chuba Hubbard, who. I mean, 2019 was special, 2,000 yards, Doak Walker finalist, had a little bit of Heisman buzz for a little bit, was one of the best running backs in the country. Uh, super fun to watch. Uh, it was easily one of the best seasons by any Oklahoma State player since Barry Sanders. And this year, a lot of injury-riddled issues. I think there was some scheme fit things that just didn't quite go his way, and I think he just was frustrated for a lot of the season. Only rushed for 651 yards. I think it was a major disappointment. He lost himself a lot of money. I don't think I don't think he was near getting some of the buzz that we we thought he was going to get last year as like maybe a round two guy. But I he I think I mean he's solidly day three, but I don't even know if we see him before the middle of the sixth round at this point. I'm not sure what you think, but I and it sucks because Chuba is such a likable dude and such a good dude, but I I just don't see it right now as an NFL prospect. I um I was a little bit disappointed in his tape when I put it on, if I'm being honest with you. Um, and I know he got a lot of, a lot of buzz last year. It sounded like, you know, some people were putting him in that second round range of mock drafts. And, you know, I, I watched, I watched some tape this year and I, I think, you know, I think there's some very obvious desirable measurables and some, and some physical abilities. Like there's definitely some, some explosiveness to his game and some long speed. Like I will not argue that. I just feel like he's a very high variance player in a lot of different ways. Um, kind of a home run hitter as a runner. So uh, he's, he's kind of always, I think he's always hunting for that big play, which I mean, has value. Don't get me wrong, but like you want a little bit more consistency from down to down, especially when he's a guy that I saw have as little interest in pass protection as I've seen of any oh, running back. It, it was so, it was so bad. It was, it was really, really bad. I know this is an Oklahoma State podcast, but I'm sorry. He literally might have been the least effort I've seen at the running back position in pass protection. And you see that, you see his home run hitter nature, and like you try to you start asking yourself these questions. Okay, so I've got a guy that is going to be high variance in the run game who's really just a home run hitter. I have vision questions about him. I don't know if he sees the field as cleanly, and he's always trying to you know bounce everything and try to get these big explosive plays. So I've got this high variance runner that doesn't pass protect. Like what's his role in the national football league? Um, but the, but the thing is like the talent is so tantalizing, right? You know, there is undeniable ability and you can't coach some of the, some of the, 
athletic testing scores that he probably would put up or will put up if there is a combine, right? I just there's so many there's so many questions about him. So you've really got to dig in. You got to find out does he care to pass protect? Would he be willing to play special teams if he had to? You know, is he going to settle down and become a more consistent down to down runner? Runner is that even in him? You know, those are the kind of questions you've got to answer yourself or answer. You know, for for Chuba and. I don't know. I, I think I put a fifth round grade on. So I have a little bit higher than you. Um, but it, there's so many question marks and there's concerns about, you know, about him, frankly. So it, it's going to be fascinating to see what his, his draft process looks like. Yeah. I, I mean, it was tough. And I think a lot of what we saw this past year, I do think he played hurt for a vast majority of this season. Uh, you know, he, he had an ankle injury against Kansas state. It really pretty much ended his season right there. Uh, but even before that, you could tell like he would hobble off when you know you really wouldn't expect him to. I think he got hurt pretty early in that Tulsa or the West Virginia game, and it just kind of affected and snowballed the rest of the season. I also think he just maybe didn't fit the new offensive scheme. Now, granted, this was also third offensive coordinator in three years for Oklahoma State with Casey Dunn. In the Sean Gleason scheme, he thrived and obviously ran for did what he did. And I think it maybe fit his skill set a little better. So I don't know if it, I don't know if it's something like that. I'm not a football genius, so I'm just kind of spitballing here. But <laughs> I, I think it, like I said, he's, he's incredibly high variance, but that's maybe a dude that you put back on kick or punt, or when you really think you need, you need that big home run play, you find a way to get the ball in his hands. So I think he's going to find his way on the NFL roster because yeah. you can't, you can't teach that speed and that right. ability to just, once you get to the second level, you're not going to touch him. Once he gets past the second level, he's gone. So that, and that, that for a lot of teams, like, fuck that's that's good for Mike Mayock right there. Just <laughs> right. Uh, sorry. I had, I had to get my, <laughs> had to get, I had to get my Raiders jab in there, but Hey, Hey, anytime you can take a little jab at the Raiders, it's a good thing. Yeah. I'm just saying, but no, I, It'll be really interesting to see what happens with him. I, I don't, I think he, he might pop a couple of times and pop a couple of big plays during his rookie year. But like I said, the inconsistency is what does bother me a little bit. It takes one team. And if one team looks at him and says, boy, I really like, I mean, I can't coach these traits. You know, I've, I've got, you know, I, he's got stuff that I can't get out of him that he's just, he's just naturally got. And they believe in the kid, you know, I, I could, I wouldn't be stunned to see him go in the fourth round, you know, a team wanting to take a swing on the talent, it, 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 you know, that you can't coach what he has. You just, I mean, you can't, I just, you, I just wish there was, he, I just came away extremely disappointed. Like that is, there's a few guys that I've watched in the tape. Just, I was very disappointed in watching him play. And I, and I know there's more in there. I, I think that's part of it. I think there is more in there, Yeah, but it's on him to get it all out of him. I think personally it's on him. Yeah. I think that's absolutely fair. Now, I didn't have this guy on the list of these four guys. I'm just curious. Do you have anything on Dylan Stoner? I don't know. I don't know if he's going to get drafted, but I think he's a dude that's going to end up on a roster somewhere. And I don't know what he's going to end up being, or he's going to end up in New England because Bill Belichick loves his, <laughs> white, his white slot receivers. But I don't have anything on a Dylan Stoner. I wish yeah, I, I was did. just curious. Yeah, I I really wish I did. Um, I know that we we've got a we still got a list of guys like we're still working down that some oh, of the sure. day two guys and day three guys and i mean we've we're probably i'd say 75 percent of the way there with like our grading okay you know as far as getting guys on the board dylan stoner is not in that top 75 percent 
that tells that, you anything. that's fair that's fair no like i said <laughs> like i was just asking because i love the the kid and he was so much fun to watch for you know the five years he was at osu and it god would not have surprised me if he took the covid year and come back just to make everyone go that kid's still there hey you know there's i if he's one of those program guys that has just been there forever yep why not yeah you know like there's you know like some guys just want to stick around for seven years of college i get it yeah get, your, get a double masters while you're out there dylan i think uh i think ld brown who was a running back for osu last year number zero he took his covid year so he's come back for his sixth year i think wow hey i mean i don't blame him no hey you know what if you're if you're a fringe marginal nfl player or maybe you're not even going to be an nfl player just take that opportunity to, to squeeze it for all it's worth. Get your master's degree, you know, go out and just get extra education. Why not? It's free. Yeah, exactly. And you know, for a lot of these guys, you know, for, I think for some of those dudes, like they know they're probably not going to play in the NFL and they want them to just rip the Jersey off of them. I mean, hell what I would give to go and have just have one more football game. Like I don't right. blame these dudes at all. No, that's, I mean, you know, if you love the game and I mean, you love the school, you love the, the campus life. I mean, I, I see no reason for some of these fringe or not guy, guys that won't wind up in the league just going out and just playing extra. I love it. I, I Seriously, I, I think it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Now it's going to cause a ton of roster nightmares for some teams, but that's a whole that, – that's not my issue yeah. really about – yeah. Look, I follow KU. And, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. And so, like, they've been in a roster nightmare for years, so I don't envy anyone. I think that's more. I don't. I don't think that's the the logistical roster nightmare that uh, that some teams are going through. I think that's just a true roster nightmare. Hey, now look, we we've had some serious logistical nightmares here. By the way, oh, if we want to have this conversation here, Joel, do you know who has a higher ranked dra- uh, uh, recruiting class this year between KU and Oklahoma State? Probably KU, but wasn't wasn't Jamar Chase committed to KU for a period? Of time? Jamar Chase was yes. Jamar Chase, Jace Sternberger, a former draft pick. Yeah. Uh, the, they've had they've had the Kelvin Joseph, a draftable cornerback here in this year's class out of Kentucky. KU has had if KU landed all the guys that they like if they kept all the guys that have been committed or you know visited and all that stuff, they would have. They would have a lot more talent on this football, on this, on the, on their football team. I'm just saying. I do have a legitimate question though. Are they still paying Charlie Weiss? Probably. <laughs> that man fleeced the world. No, I don't really think they are, but it feels like it. They, they I feel like well, they're still paying for Charlie Weiss. That could be it. Is that, that better? That too. That too. That too. I was like, I, I didn't mean to slander KU. No, it's, I like, dude, I, I like. KU. Well, you, look, we deserve everything we get. Let's just be honest. Because I, I think I think this year with how bad quote unquote the basketball team is, I think people are paying for the sins of wait just wait till basketball season. Yeah, there's <laughs> this is what we get. They're uh, they're barely in the top twenty five, and they had their top twenty five streak snapped. I mean, Oklahoma State got them once. Yeah, they did, and you know, but winning in Allen Fieldhouse is tough when it's you know Allen Fieldhouse on five. Are you a Thunder fan? Not really. Oh, that makes me sad. I'm I'm just not a big NBA guy. I'm just I'm okay. Not. Okay, because like you know, Cade Cunningham and in, in OKC would be kind of fun. That's oh, all. Well, it say. would be tons of fun. No, I, I'm all on the tank for Cade train. Like I like I support the Thunder, but I'm not going. I don't go out of my way to to watch a bunch of NBA basketball because I just not a huge NBA fan. Fade for Cade. Do you like that? I, okay, I'm good. I'm good with that. I'm good. With I that. just came up with that. I wonder. I'm gonna you're, go you're on. I'm good gonna... at like the the 
dad joke puns and hashtags and things of that nature. So that's I'll, literally, I'll just, that. that's just my existence. Like that's all it is. That's all I have in this world. That's <laughs> okay. Ken, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate this. Uh, for those that maybe want to follow your work by the Casey draft guide, like plug all that stuff, all your, all your stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're out of here at arrowheadpride.com. Uh, you can listen to the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel if you want more draft talk like we just had today. Um, you can check out the KC Draft Guide, which is a Chief Slanted Draft Guide at gum.co slash KC Draft Guide 21. Uh, yeah, so there's just all kinds of stuff we got going on. And it's just a bunch of dudes talking football. So, you know, if you like that, you can check us out too. Yeah, the – the Arrowhead Pride Pod, or the Arrowhead Pride Laboratory is it's appointment listening for me, especially as a Chiefs fan. So if you're a Chiefs fan out there, need something, need a little bit of football to get through the off season. Uh, I think I think we've all gone. I think we're all numb to the pain of the Super Bowl, and I think we can just get on the other side of that and start talking about the off season and what 2021 is going to bring. Just moving straight to draft season. That's exactly. that's what we got to do. Uh, that's that's what Maddie did, and uh, I think he's I think he's doing a lot better. I think he was just ready for draft season since the last draft. So I was say he had one foot out the door all year. Like let's <laughs> yeah. just be honest. <laughs> <laughs> There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. I really appreciate it, man.